0: Good morning everyone, this is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies coming to you live once again from Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone here today with us for another installment of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. The Raven Institute is an outreach ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can actually go to our website, which Deb is so scurriously, we're, we're putting these words in here today, uh, typing up on our screen at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com. Grace.com. And you can find out more information about Raven Ministries International. Raven's action actually an acronym for Restoring a Vision. And evangelizing nations and folks, really, that's what we're all about. We're here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry according to the word of God. We know that we have a, such a great and, and awesome responsibility to share the word of God with other people. You know, Ezekiel chapter three and, and chapter thirty-three both they tell us that we've been made watchmen over the city, and that He's given us the responsibility. But He said, if, if the sinner or the or the wicked die in their wickedness, and we don't, uh, we we fail to warn them, we that know the truth, it says that they'll die in their sin. But their blood will be accounted on our hands. Folks, listen. We need to cleanse our hands. And the Word of God tells us that who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? But those with a clean heart, and, uh, with uh, clean hands, and a pure heart. And the way that you do that is walking in obedience to the directives that God has placed on our lives to go into all the world and preach the gospel. How can we say we love God, yet we do not keep His commands? And one of the commands that He gave us was right there in the emphatic in, in, in Mark sixteen fifteen. That we've talked about numerous times here Is to go into all the world and to preach the gospel And so here as we come today This is just one of those mechanisms that we use And it's to take, the, to take the Word of God and invest into you That way you can go and invest in the world that is around you We just see God doing such tremendous and amazing things As we study the Word of God And so we're here today in order to to, to, to sow into you The things that God has sown into us And so I uh, just want to say this Kind of to start off the program If you have any questions Please hold them off until the top of the hour And we will stay with you ...and answer as many questions as you have relating to our teaching or something else relating to the Bible. We're not here to debate. We're here to invest. And so we're not going to enter into the vain debate that's going to lead to more ungodliness. But we want to sow into you the words of righteousness that God has invested in us. We do not pretend to know everything... But we know who our help comes from. We know, we know the word of God and we know the foundation of Christ Jesus. And so hopefully we can invest in you those principles and those truths that God has, has brought into our lives. And we've seen him work, uh, holiness and righteousness and the power of God. Through us as well. So that's what we're here for. And once again, uh, check it out if you've never gone to our website at biggrace.com. Go there and check out the links under Raven Nation. You're going to see our teams that are scattered throughout the United States and into Canada and going way beyond. And today we're actually going to continue in our study in the book of Romans. This is class 134. And so uh, we are. uh, pressing into really the, the Magna Carta of the New Covenant in the book of Romans. And we hope that you've been able to be a part of this and you're able to glean some some things from it, from the Word of Truth, and God's able to use that to you. And so uh, this is just a means that we have of come together in investing what God has given to us in you. And we get to see it activated all the time. Some of you that may have been with us on our program if you're listening to this live uh, last night uh, for our uh, special edition of the Raven Nation program we were actually planning uh, our trip to uh, every year since 1996 we've taken teams into the city of New Orleans during Mardi Gras I've seen God do some tremendous things, and so I know uh, several of you that are with us today are going to be a part of that outreach into the city they call the Big Easy. And what's interesting about that, our, our website, if you notice, it's Big Grace, and that that actual that website title was actually derived from the, the years that I spent in New Orleans, and. Uh, God just showed me, he said, you know what, the the city calls itself the Big Easy, but I want to call it the Big Grace. That there's going to be a big divine influence upon their hearts and and a big reflection uh, in the lives. And so, uh, actually our website there for Raven Ministries come out of my experiences right there in New Orleans. From Big Easy to Big Grace. And folks, listen, I know that God wants to bring big grace into every single one of our lives. He wants to bring a big, huge influence of himself in everything that we do. And that way we can reflect his holiness and righteousness and everything that we say and do. So that's what we endeavor to do and that's what my prayer is for you. But I was in the city of New Orleans doing some preparatory work for our outreach that's going to be happening there February 1st through the 5th, officially those dates. Some are going to be there longer and some are going to be there even later. Uh, but had the opportunity to be out on the streets of of, of, uh, of New Orleans and Bourbon Street. And I feel, what's funny is I feel so at home on Bourbon Street. It probably sounds funny to some of you but living there and spending countless hours out there witnessing and, and sharing the gospel. You know folks, I, I love to, to teach. I love to preach the gospel. I preached all over the place, but the, I feel so at home when I'm standing out there in the midst of that madness, just bringing the light of Jesus to, to to people that that think to themselves, you know, what what just happened to me? What just occurred? And and I think about this past week when I was I was out there, and just the people I was able to talk to about a dozen folks in the few hours that I was out on the streets, and you know, you can just see their eyes just bulge out because they're like. I never expected this to happen tonight in this place. And uh, I think about standing in front of this place that I I spent many hours in front of uh, preaching the gospel when I actually lived in the city. Uh, And it's a place that they actually have young people in there doing all kinds of filthy things to one another on stage. And so I stand out there and literally serve as a warning is much like Ezekiel... Speaks of us to be that that, that, that watchman warning people and uh, and seeing God turn many people back, folks listen, God has given us uh, uh, really a roadblock uh, to, to lay in the pathway of people on the way of destruction. Now you can drive around if we, we you know, think about when a train 's coming, what have the bars come down the the, the the lights begin to go off but there 's been many people killed that decided to go around the warning sign now you can 't control that now it wouldn 't do any good for those people to try to sue the railroad for them going around. The well lit markers, and folks, that's what our uh, our responsibility is. God has given us those 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 bars to drop across the road, and the flashing lights of His Word. Now, people, some people are going to drive around, and they're going to meet the destruction. But we have got to sound the warning cry. There was a young man outside of a club called Razoo's. I think it's interesting because we always minister outside of another bar here in Daytona called Razzles, and so we got Razzles and Razoo's. But he's out there with a sign and he's asking people to come in and, 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 and happy hour and all these things. And so I'm walking past him and he holds up the sign in front of my face. And he says, come on and get, come on in and get your free drink. And I stop and I look at him with just all seriousness. I said, what on earth would I want to go into a place like that and do things that God delivered me from years and years ago? And I said, I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, you don't believe in God, do you? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in God. I said, so why aren't you walking in Righteousness. And he said, well, well, I'm trying. And his name was Sean. And I say his name because I want you to be praying for him. And so I just began to, to call him out on this. I said, Sean, listen, you're not a child anymore. And you're a, you're a young man. And I said, the enemy is trying to, 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 to rob you of the, the joy that you felt in, at times past in your life. And you could just see he was just fixed uh, uh, and just really transfixed on every word that came forth. And so I told him at the end of the conversation, I said, listen, if you decide to get serious about God and you want to repent from this lifestyle that you're in, I said, I pull out my card and I give I said, I want to hear about your testimony. I want to see what God's doing in you. And he shook my hand and he said, yes, sir, I will. But you could just see a soberness coming upon him. Folks, listen, the world is waiting for someone to come in. It don't matter if they're in front of a nightclub or a strip club or at your workplace. Or it's your church. You know, and that's the sad thing many times in churches that people aren't hearing the truth. People are looking for somebody to to bring a word of, of holiness and consecration to them. And you know, it's sad to say Folks, that, that those voices are limited, and so really, I want to encourage you: be that voice of truth, be that voice of, of righteousness, be that 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 voice of one that's crying in the wilderness, as John the Baptist likened himself unto. Be that one that's going to preach a word, that's going to make the crooked places straight, that's going to speak to the heart of man, that's going to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Be be that one that's that's going to stand, and having to, therefore done all to stand, stand with your, with uh, really uh, uh, clothed in the full armor of God, and allow the God, uh, the the Spirit of God to do that. And so, please be. Praying for us, we're gonna be back in the city. Uh we're actually leaving there and gonna be there on the uh thirtieth, I guess, of this month. We're taking a team from Daytona to go get set up. And so we'll be there, and we got two people coming in on the thirty-first, and many more on the first and throughout that weekend, uh preaching the gospel. So please be in prayer if you're not gonna be a part of that. And pass the word. You might pass the word. If you've got an email list of prayer warriors, uh please let them know that we're gonna be out there we're also gonna be broadcasting uh many Hours live right there from New Orleans. So if you're a part of a local church or whatever else, let them know that we're going to be out there in the French Quarter of New Orleans and throughout the city in the projects, preaching the gospel. And we're going to be broadcasting as much as we can live right here through Raven TV. And so we appreciate you being a part of this and being a part of what God's doing in this late hour. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Just ask for His blessing upon t- today's uh, uh, teaching and uh, and pray for the sick as well. There's many people that have been sick in their bodies. We're just going to believe God to touch them and. Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for this day. We just thank you for your Son, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord God, for his precious holy blood. Father, we just confess today that apart from you, that Father, we can do nothing, that we are completely and totally dependent upon the Spirit of God moving and operating in our lives. Lord God, the Word tells us that in our flesh dwells no good thing. That, Lord God, uh, apart from the regeneration of the new birth, there is no redeeming qualities inside of us apart, Lord God, from our faith in Jesus Christ. And so today, Lord God, we come. Father is a very grateful and thankful people, Lord God, people that are just so grateful that you found us, Lord God, in our wickedness, that you rescued us, Lord God, from the vileness of the corruption of our flesh, Lord God, and you've given us an opportunity for a new life. And Father, we just want to ask your forgiveness today. We want to repent for the times, Lord God, that we've mishandled, Lord God, what you've given us and entrusted us with in the form of righteousness, Lord Jesus. The times, Lord God, that we've allowed compromise, Lord God, and indecision, Lord God, and fears, and all these other things, Lord God, that would strike against the divine nature that's you in, in, imputed into us Lord God through faith in the blood of Jesus. We just ask you forgiveness Lord God. We know Lord God that, that we've we've fallen short many times, but we don't want to continue to use those things as excuses. We know that the that the the, the the spirit of the Lord has come upon our lives and that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that your strength is made perfect in our weakness, that when we're weak, that you're strong. We don't want to continue in a path of saying, well, listen, I'm just some sorry no good sinner saved by grace. Lord God, we've been saved. Lord God, from sin. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, Lord God. And you have such a, a tremendous... Uh... Plan for us, Lord God, to, to return us unto Yourself and to, to reconcile us, Lord God, through the blood of Jesus. And, Lord God, we just want to be ever mindful, Lord God, of eternity. We want we want to set our our faces, Lord God, on those things that are eternal. And forgive us, Lord God, for being so temporal uh, and, and looking at things, Lord God, in this world and, and holding on to them so tightly. Lord God, we want to put our, all of our trust and all of our faith in You. Because the Word tells us to trust in You with all of our hearts. To, to not lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge You in all of our ways. Then You'll direct our paths. Lord God, we want to be all or nothing. Lord God, and we were nothing when we were apart from You. So, Lord God, teach us to be all in Christ Jesus. Teach us to walk in holiness. Teach us to walk in uh, in truth. And te- teach us, Lord God, to 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 be in that that pursuit of that perfection, Lord God, that You called us to that maturity and to be perfect, even as You are perfect, and to, to walk in holiness and righteousness, Lord God, in, in regards to, to 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 Your word, Lord God, into Your Spirit dwelling inside of us. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, my my my, my dear family, Lord God, the body, Lord Jesus, and I just pray for Your blessings upon them. Lord God, I pray for for those weeping warriors, Lord God. Those ones, Lord God, that many times it is... They wonder, Lord God, if if they're going to be able to endure. I pray that they would have strength, Lord God, that you would increase their faith, that they would not faint. I pray for that one that's just teetering on the edge, Lord God, and thinking, Lord God, am I going to continue to be able to walk with you. I pray right now against every demonic force of hell that will come against them. And I pray, Lord God, right now that you just speak encouragement to them through the Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen them, Lord God, in their inward man, that you would empower them, Lord God, to walk in the strength, Lord God, of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, for those pastors of those churches, Lord God, that say to themselves, Lord God, I want to, I want to do right. I want to, I want to preach righteousness. Lord God, those that are, that are struggling, Lord God, because, Lord God, the, the expectancy of men for, for greater numbers or, or greater monies. And they say, Lord God, I can't compromise. I can't prostitute the gospel, Lord God, just for a paycheck. That I'm not in it for a vocation, Lord God. I'm in it for a transformation. And Father, I pray for those pastors, Lord God, that, that refuse to yield, Lord God, to the temptations of the world or to, to model, Lord God, your church or your body, Lord God, after, after the, the word of God. I pray for them. And I pray for those that have struggled, Lord God, have found themselves, Lord God, diverting back, Lord God, to the things of the flesh and and creating, Lord God, man-made sanctuaries, Lord God, and man-made methodologies and hoping, Lord God, if they can become more like the world, that they can win people to You. Lord God, we know that we can't do that. The Word tells us to to come out from among those things and be separate and not to touch the unclean thing. And so I pray for those, Lord God, that have found themselves giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And I pray that You would have mercy upon them, Lord God, that You would open their eyes and You would just bring them, Lord God, to the, the revelation of your righteousness and your truth, Lord God. They would know that the hour is short, Lord God, and it's time, Lord God, to, to return to our first love, Lord God, and not to continue to walk in lawlessness. Father, we, we we know that you're coming back for a church without spot or blemish, and we ask, Lord Jesus, that that, that you would just do a, a rapid work, Lord God, because we know that the hour is so very short. And Lord God, we just pray for our brothers and sisters in other countries that suffer, Lord got such widespread and uh, persecution and just such hostile places that they're preaching the gospel. And we just ask that you would strengthen them, Lord God. You would show them, Lord God, that this tears, Lord God, may endure for a, 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 a night, Lord God, but joy comes in the morning. That, Father, that, that those that sow in tears are going to reap in joy. That there is a promise, Lord God, beyond the, the supernatural, beyond the superficial, that's in the supernatural. So I pray for my pastor friends, Lord God, in Pakistan and in India, Lord God, and, and throughout Africa, in the name of Jesus, that you just strengthen them, encourage them in the Word, Lord God. And, Father, we pray for those that have been sick in body. We ask for uh, your, your Word, Lord God, to heal the Patience. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, just for the testimonies that I've been hearing, Lord God, that your, your power and your mercy, Lord God, have been poured out. And we just thank you for healing, Lord God. We just curse sickness, Lord God. And we say by the stripes of Jesus that they're healed. Now, Father, just blessed this time of, of teaching, Lord God, and the fellowship today in your word. So I ask that you would just encourage us and just give us, Lord God, a greater understanding, Lord God, of things that you would desire for us. We just ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen, and amen. And Father, we do, I want to pray for, she put that on the screen, Lord God, or uh, Robin's Aunt Claudette, who's praying, Lord God, that you would heal her body. We just stand in agreement with Robin, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, heal her, touch her, restore her, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I, got, I do got a quick testimony I thought of as we were praying, I was in, like I said, I was in New Orleans, uh, there with, uh, standing with Billy and Rose McEnroy uh, at their house, and their son Ben and his girlfriend uh, had come in and uh uh, they call her Cinderella, and so they tease it her. Names. Bethany's her name, but anyway, Bethany has such a tremendous testimony. You need to hear this. Bethany is twenty-something years old, but uh in a period of her life, she had entered into rebellion and uh, drug use, and the whole nine yards. I mean, she was in a serious situation. But uh, this past year, God totally set her free, and this young woman is just, you know, on fire for Jesus and just wanting to serve Him in a powerful way. But she went in for some medical things, and they they came back and they found out that she had uh, hepatitis C, which is the most serious. I mean, it's a it's something that is de- destructive to the liver and just a serious situation. So, ended up they sent her to a specialist that specializes in uh, liver disorders and things like that. And so they did the test, and he immediately he looked at the numbers. I guess on I don't know how all that stuff is registered, but he began to look at those numbers on it and saw where. Uh, that they were severe. He said, "You know what? Uh, we need need to immediately get you on treatment. All this, uh, some type of regimen of something that they were going to interfere on treatments. I mean, that type of seriousness on that, because if we don't, you know what? You could you could suffer liver failure or irreparable damage to your liver. Anyhow, so they wanted uh, they wanted to immediately start these treatments. And once again, this guy's uh, uh, one of the the premier." Uh, Uh, specialist in that area on that. So what she said, Bethany, this girl had just this past year given her life to the Lord Jesus Christ and got delivered from drug use and everything else. She said, okay, she said, but I want to go first and I want to do what the Bible says. And so she she remembered what James says about if there's any sick among you, you, let them call for the elders in the church. And she told uh, Ben McEnroy and and Billy McEnroy, she said, I want you all to take me to the church that they've been attending, and I want the pastor and named one of the elders. I want you guys to pray for me that God will heal me, because that's what the Bible said would happen. And she said, that way I can go back to the doctor, and I'm just going to believe God. So they went and they prayed for her. And so she went back and she said, before we do any treatments, I want you to test me again and make sure all the, the, the stuff is as you saw. And so he did the test and called them back, I guess a day or two later, and was just astounded. He said, you know what? I, I don't know what happened. He said, this never happened. He said, but there's nothing wrong with you. There is not a trace of hepatitis C anywhere in any of your blood work that I don't know what it is that, that happened, but you're totally better. There's nothing, There's nothing. absolutely nothing wrong with you whatsoever. Now listen to this. This doctor who was a specialist, he told her, he told this young girl, he said, will you do me a favor? And she said, sure. He said, Will you pray for me? Now listen to that because she began to testify about what she had done, and now this doctor's telling her would you please pray for me folks listen I, I said this at the, at the end of the year and it's the first this year as we were entering into really that isaiah 58 type of, of fast and this is a fast that he's chosen and I believe that God in 2008 is going to is calling us to a deeper level of holiness and righteousness, but as a result of it I believe we're going to see a greater manifestation of power and I see that as just the the kind of the, 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 the beginning of things that we're going to begin to see, I believe in as we take our teams into New Orleans during Mardi Gras that we're going to see miracles happening on the streets. As in May as we take our teams into New York City that we're going to see miracles happen on the streets. And this summer as we're planning on taking a, a team into the red light district of Amsterdam we're going to see miracles happening on the street. Miracles and signs and wonders not to, to, to reap upon ourselves the accolades of men but to point people towards heaven and know that there is a God that is alive and is powerful and he does not change That he still heals and he still delivers he still saves and he still seated upon a throne of glory, and He's not moving over for anyone. That is the hour, I believe, in which we are living. And, and I really challenge you to, to to really seek God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and allow God to move powerfully and rapidly in all that you see and all that you do for Him. So God's doing some amazing, some amazing things. Folks, in our last class we dealt with the subject matter of uh, of being on the right side of God's judgment you know we've uh, we were out a little bit because i was actually traveling so and yesterday i i, I was late getting in because i had to catch a, a red eye out of new orleans but we we begin to talk about getting on the right side of God's judgment folks listen judgment is coming period I mean, as, as real as we're, each of us are, or where we're at today, judgment is coming. The question is, which side of judgment are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the, the, the thing? The Scripture talks about it. says, you know what? You can, you can fall on the rock and be saved, or you can allow the, the rock to fall on you and be crushed. And that's what it's speaking of. And, you know, we don't want to, we want to fall on the rock. In other words, we want, to, we want to fall upon the one, the rock, Christ Jesus, that's going to be that buffer between us and the judgment of God rather than to, to, to find ourselves... Uh, On the wrong side of judgment, and and really because of our own self righteousness, because of our our own uh, our our own self will, uh, seeing that the judgment of God completely levied against us without the buffering of the mercy of God. Folks, listen, we've got to continuously to ask ourselves on a daily basis which side of God's judgment is my testimony on, which side of God's judgment is is my obedience on, which side of God's judgment is my faithfulness on, and come to that place where we're saying, you know what, God, I want to I want to be on the right side. Of your judgment. I want to be on the right side of your will. And folks, listen, the choice is ours to make, you know, uh, but the outcome of both has already been determined and really thoroughly revealed through the Word of God so that none would be with excuse. You know, there is judgment coming, and the Word tells us that the time is now that judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Folks, I want to be on the right side of God's judgment. I want to be at that place where the mercy of God is being extended because I'm walking in, in obedience to what He says. Unfortunately, uh, many are going to find themselves. On the wrong side of judgment, and they're going to meet the, the the great calamity of the of the wrath of the fierceness of the Almighty God. But it should not be that way, because there is a buffer, and it's called the mercy of God. It's called the the the, the, the grace of God. But it's only realized through repentance towards God. And what has happened so often, and it is it's heartbreaking when you begin to think about it. There's been such a lack of repentance, and folks, Jesus tells us that unless we repent, we'll, we'll perish. John the Baptist came at the, at the really the, the, the birth and as the, the forerunner to, to to the Messiah, Christ Jesus. He came in, in Matthew three one and two, preaching repent. Jesus came in in for his first recorded message in, in in Matthew four seventeen, saying repent. We saw Paul preaching on Mars Hill. We saw Peter preaching in the second chapter of Acts on the day of Pentecost. We saw John uh, preaching it in in, in Revelation one. One, 2, 3, and 4 uh, on the Isle of Patmos. Folks, listen, we've got to walk in a heart of repentance. and We talked about what repentance is. Repentance isn't just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is that process by which we receive the revelation of God and we, we renounce the sin and we, we begin to think differently and we turn to God in all that we say we do and we, uh, we, we, we begin to walk in accordance with His will. Folks, listen, we've got to preach that message repent for the kingdom of God is at hand because the hour is so short and I, I want to be ready and more so than that I want, I want you to be ready as well. And I want, I want those that are, that are dying and struggling that we meet all the time. You know, the, 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 the disciples of old said we testify of those things that we both see and hear. You know, the, my preaching and my teaching, folks, are, are influenced by the things that I've had to see, by the things that I, I know, by, the, by the, the, the lives that I've seen crushed. Not just in the street, but in in churches, and in ministry. You know, I didn't roll off some turnip truck one day and hit my head and just go to teaching. You know what? I've seen those things. I've seen the tragedy and the calamities. I've seen the 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 destructive elements of uh, of false teaching, and you know, I've seen all those things happening. So I, you know what? I'm I'm not oblivious to to the, the Satan's devices, whether they're painted up in in destructive things or if they're painted up in things that seem so noble and so good. Uh, but folks, my, uh, my heart is broken uh, because of these things. And folks, listen, everything that we do it comes out of those experiences and comes out of the revelation that we give. And uh, sometimes people say, well, why do you have to be just so forthright in that? Because it is a forthright hour. It's extreme times and they, they require extreme measures because there's people extremely in bondage and they're extremely going to go to hell unless somebody warns them. How will they know unless we preach. And there's got to be an urgency and a fervency that's rising up in the body of Christ to, to be those world shakers and history makers for the kingdom of God. And when I say history makers, I'm not talking about in this lifetime. I'm talking about those that, the, the, the history book, the ultimate history book, and it's going to record the, the events of, of, of this life and called the Lamb's Book of Life, putting those names in it. Folks, we have the tools, we have the Spirit of God in us to be able to deliver that message. And really, there's got to be an urgency birthed in us. And so, folks, what we saw in, in the 19th chapter, in 19th verse of Romans chapter 9 is that the Jews were really guilty of the exact same thing that many self-described Christians are today. And, and what that is, is that's in finding fault with God. And so we, we saw in, in verse 19 that they were they were wanting to be fault finders. Well, God, why did you do this? Why did you do this? And, and folks, listen, that's really the, the problem, if I could call it the modern uh, apostate church. That really refuses to adhere to the, the those eternal edicts that are established in the Word of God, and as a result of that, they, they, they reap the consequences of their refusal to obey God. But they shake themselves in heaven and say, fist in heaven, they say, God, why did you do that? And so, rather than than hear and submit to God's perfect plan and realize that that whatever it entails will be the very best plan possible for them. Folks, what happens, many will end up rebelling against it, and then they'll, they'll, they'll just do, like I said, they'll shake their hand at heaven, they'll accuse God, and they'll say, God, why are things going this way for me? But I want to give you a scripture this morning as we continue here in Romans chapter 9. It's out of Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. It says this, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh, or sows to the sin natures we've talked about, shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit, or that divine nature, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. Folks, listen, if you've been reaping destruction lately, chances are that's where you're sowing. Do you hear me? If you're thinking in your life, you know what, all I find is destruction, all I find is uh, is discontentment, all I find is depression chances are that's where you've been sowing to because that's what the Word of God says. But if you've been, if you've been reaping of, of a, really a joy unspeakable, the glory of God and faithfulness, chances are that, that that's what you've been sowing to. You've been sowing to a place of those type of elements. And folks, really I want to I tell you that uh, it's going to tell on you and it's going to manifest itself in your life. And so you've got to come back to that place uh, where you're investing in those things that are internal. You're investing in those things that are powerful. So I really want to encourage you along those lines because there's many people that are investing in the flesh and somehow they think they're going to reap of the Spirit. It just does, It's just not going to happen. It's, it, and it's just going to bring calamity upon your life. And so we don't need to grow weary in, in, in well-doing because we need to know that in due season, that season may be today, that season may be tomorrow, that, may, that season may be later on. But if we do not faint then we're going to reap the benefits of those things that God has for us. So I really want to encourage you in that, that that if you're seeing things, chances are you're reaping destruction. In the news, if you're listening to this live, in the news last night it came out where this actor, Heath, how do you say his name, Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger, I guess it was. And he's a guy that's been in several, I guess, uh, pretty uh, prominent, I think, uh, what was that, Brokeback Mountain, about homosexuality and cowboys, homosexuals, something crazy, something like that. He was in that, and I think that movie or something got some type of Oscar nod or something a few years back. Uh uh, they announced last night that, that they found him dead and sleeping pills strewn all over his room and he was laying there nude on his, his bed and his, uh, uh, his uh, housekeeper had come in and found him dead 28 years old folks think about that you know, Hollywood pre- pre- uh, portrays all this glamour and all this you know, high society and you know, he's been linked I'm sure to, to starlets and many beautiful women and these relationships but think about it he died of a drug overdose alone in his own house by himself folks listen sowing to the flesh is going to reap of the flesh destruction. And so we think, our right, eyes. if we get a little bit more money, we're going, to be, we're going to be excited. This guy was a multimillionaire. This guy had uh, the accolades. He had fame and all this, but he died alone in his bed. Folks, listen, I, w- I would rather be alone with Jesus and have eternal life than be alone in this world with all the riches of this world and, and have to face uh, God on Judgment Day empty and destitute. Really, we ought to take all these things. We've seen it so many times lately. We've seen prominent comedians and actors. And musicians and all these things that have had their lives cut short uh, because of this excess, folks listen, the time is now, the hour is so short we 've got to be the ones that are like the prophets on the on the wall, setting the trumpet to our mouth and sounding that clarion, clarion call of righteousness and so folks, I want to ask you a question this morning as we continue in Romans chapter nine, Where are you investing in your future? Where are you investing? what is it that you 're investing in your future are you or, or, or are you investing uh, in bitterness, or are you investing in disappointment? Is that where your investments being made? Are you are you investing in your uh, your discontentment? Because folks, anything that's going on in your life, there's you're either going to invest in it or you're going to starve it out. And you're either going to build it up, or you're going to choke those things out, and not allow those things to, to 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 bring any type of consequences or any type of fruit into your life, or are you investing in the plan that God has established for you from the beginning? You know, I've heard so many people quote from Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. If I say Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, so many people remember it and think about it. But Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, that I think towards you," saith the Lord the thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. What's an expected end? It's something that can be counted on. It's something that can be planned. And something that you can be certain of. Folks, I learned long ago in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that that God has got an expected end for me. And that I don't have any reason to stress over things. I don't have any reason to worry. Uh, that... The only thing I have a reason to do is just trust in Jesus. Certainly things are going to come. They're going to challenge my faith. They're going to challenge my, my resolve. But at the end of the day, folks, listen, I know that the one that watches over me neither sleeps nor slumbers. He is looking out for me. He is working those things out. And if I just walk in agreement with God's plan and God's divine order, that there is going to be an expected end. So many people quote that, but... Few of those that are quoting it actually believe it or live by it. And that's the sad commentary of it is. And so what you can find out is that you watch, when God's expected end runs in conflict with their expected end, what they end up doing is questioning God, and they grow bitter and resentful towards Him uh, for not catering to their every whim and desire. And so, folks, here's something the Lord showed me years ago as a pastor when I was pastoring in Texas. He said, you need to stop asking me to line my will up with your will. What you need to do is start lining your will up with my will, and I said that as a pastor, folks, because this, listen, I pastored a church. Uh, I started, I senior pastor church when I was twenty four years old, a very young man, and uh, and so I went in and I had this idea. I, I know what I'd been trained to do. I know the models, all these type of things that you're you're taught. And, and so the, the Holy Spirit began to challenge me one day and, and he asked me a question. He said, so you call yourself a Christian church, eh? And that's really where it kind of was in the, uh, in the, in the Spirit. And my answer was obviously, yes, I do. And he said, so why doesn't your church look like my church? And he began to take me to the Word, took me to the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, took me to Mark 16. And you know, I was hungry, did you feed me? I was naked, did you clothe me? I was sick and in prison, did you visit me? I was a stranger, did you take me in? Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day and he said, until you can answer yes to all those things, don't call yourself a Christian church. Because that's what my church looks like and that's what my church does. Folks, listen, if you wanted to go out and buy yourself a franchise to, say, a 7-Eleven food store, Listen, you can't go to that place and say, listen, I'm just going to make this thing any way I want. What do they do? They hand you the business plan. They tell you exactly what your signage is going to look like. They tell you what your store fixtures are going to look like. They tell you what the the uniforms are. They tell you the products that are going to be served if you want that franchise. They don't give you this uh, this this liberty to kind of just go in and say, okay, we're Seven Eleven, but we're not going to sell uh, Slurpees and, uh, and and whatever else they sell or pump gasoline. What we're going to do is we're going to sell used furniture. Folks, listen, you can't do that. But see, we wouldn't think that if we, we went in and we bought into the franchise of a 7-Eleven or a McDonald's or whatever else. But why is it that we think that we can disorder our own prescription when we, when we, we become a franchisee of the kingdom of God? We become one that it's the messenger. Folks, listen, he's given us the business plan. He's given us his father's business. But so often we think to ourselves, listen, we can do what we want to and God's just going to have to like it. He's going to get his plan. Folks, that is a lie straight from the pits of hell. That will lead you to destruction well you've got to say God listen you've got an expected end for me I can't, I can't quote that and not live that I can't say I'm going to do that and, and so I learned long ago that folks listen it does absolutely no good for me to grow frustrated at God's plan, God's will, God's timing, whatever you want to call it, that God has got it figured out. And so what we've got to do is we've got to endeavor to Im- be imitators of Him. We've got to be followers of Him if we're going to call ourselves Christian or Christ like. Now I want you to look at this. Psalms chapter thirty seven, verse twenty three. Psalms twenty excuse me, thirty seven twenty three. Psalms thirty seven twenty three. It says The steps of a good man are ordered up by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered of by the Lord, and he delights in his way. That steps, folks, is literally a word that means, or the way that you're going. Or the way that you are going is ordered of by the Lord. That word good, what's interesting about that, we hear the word good, what do we always think about? We want to We want to think that it's something nice, or something this or that. But that word good is, uh, in the Hebrew, it's the word gebher. You've won an English spelling, G-E-B-H-E-R, gebher. And it literally means one that is strong and willing to fight. One that is strong and willing to fight. And so we want to think that it's someone though that's good, it's someone who possesses all this virtue or all this this niceness or all of this sweetness or, or all this elegance or something else in it's none of those things at all. It is those who are willing to fight uh, who will see the fulfillment of the ordered steps of God. And so my question is, are you willing to fight? If you're willing to fight, and you're willing to press, if you're willing to obey, then what you're going to see is the 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 the, the way that you're going is going to be ordered by God. And but listen to this, that word ordered is, is the Hebrew word that could be pronounced kun. And literally it means to be firmly established and directed and secure in a stable way. And so I could say it this. As I can say, if you want to walk in a firmly established manner with the security afforded those who trust in God and know that the way that you're going is solid, then you're going to have to stand up and be strong and fight. That's really what Psalms 20, 37, 23. So I want to say it again to you. If you want to walk firmly established in a manner uh, that, that provides the security afforded those who trust in God and will know that the way that they're going is solid, then you're going to have to be strong and fight. Or the steps of a good man are ordered by God and he delights in his way. And, and, and you know, I, I think immediately of First Timothy 6, 12. It says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also calling to confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Folks, listen. We have got to come to that place where we are fighting the good fight of faith. That, that, that faith is a fight. And I know some of you have, have struggled in your, uh, in your walk. and you, Because, listen, you thought faith was going to be some easy thing. You thought you were going to tiptoe through the tulips of faith and now I'm saved and everything's going to... Folks, listen. Faith is called a fight. The enemy will try to attack you on every side. He will try to press you in areas of your health, in your finances, in relationships, whatever it may be. But folks, we've got to learn to fight the good fight of faith if we're going to see our steps ordered up by God. If we're going to see that, that way that we're going, it's, it's going to be, uh, be be become something that is stable, something that's going to be firmly established, then we've got to learn to fight. You know, Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, that the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent take it by Folks, listen, there is a battle for your faith raging right now. But I I know that the source of our faith is right here. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We've got to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And there's, there's another part of that pressing in. And so I want to challenge you in this, in this day and age in which you live, press in. Press in and pursue after righteousness. Pursue after holiness. And, and we've got to come to that place, listen, that we know that we're facing a battle. We're facing the, the violent attacks of the adversary. But if I'm going to walk in righteousness and if I'm going to see the power of God manifest in my life, I'm going to see the fulfillment of God's plan. I've got to come to the place where I'm I'm fighting in the battle of faith and I'm standing steadfast in in my confession and my profession and the fruit of that is coming out of my life. I'm going to battle, folks, against my unbelief. Now, how many of you ever have to struggle with unbelief? I think every one of us to some degree or another. I praise God that the, that the unbelief I struggle with today is, it doesn't measure up uh, with the, uh, the unbelief I st- struggled with 20 years ago when I, you know, when I just started serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the ministry. I praise God that, that that unbelief is being squashed out as I, I, I heap faith into my life through knowing the Word. What about struggling and in, in battling against your own rebellion? Now, think about that. You know, we don't like to talk about those type of things, but folks, listen. We struggle against our own rebellion. But as I submit myself to faith, what am I going to do? I am going to reap the consequences of faith. Before the program went live this morning, uh, Deb and I was just talking about how authority works in the body of Christ, and I, and I gave her. I told her, I said, I found out something long ago. I said, you will walk in the level of authority that you walk in the same level of submission towards, and so the more I submit myself the more I walk in authority. And so if you're not submitted to authority, you will never walk in authority. And I gave her an example. I said, you know, sis, you consider me your pastor. And I said, you know, you'll answer to me. I said, you'll do that. And I said, for me, I'll answer to anybody. I'll answer to you, I'll answer to people that are associate ministers within this ministry, or anybody else that wants to call me up and say, Hey, listen, i got a question for you, or I want to challenge you, or i got a problem. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Why? Because I know that if I'm going to have any authority to teach the Word of God, to preach the Word with authority, then I've got to be willing to submit myself to anything else. But what's happened within the church, it's become this whole... Touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. It becomes almost an untouchable type of thing where I can say or do whatever I want to without anybody being able to question me. Folks, I'm telling you... Question me, challenge me, walk in that whole Acts seventeen eleven mentality of the Bereans who receive the Word of God readily, but they search the scriptures to see if it was so. But challenge me according to the word, don't challenge me based on personality or, 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 or culture or anything. But based upon the word, I'll receive that I'll receive that correction from the Word of God because I welcome that because I, I, I know I'll say like Paul said in Philippians chapter three, one thing I haven't attained. I don't pretend to have attained. But one thing I have done, I'll forget those things that are behind so I can press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If I don't do it, then that rebellious nature uh, will be uh, settled in me. And what's rebellion? The word likens it unto the sin of witchcraft or, or mind control. Or what about battling against your uncertainty? Do you ever battle against that? God, I'm just uncertain what you're wanting to do. Or I'm just uncertain about things. Folks, listen, what that does is strikes at very the essence of faith that we're built upon. We're saved by grace through faith. Folks, listen, I know that my future is certain. I, I know when I'm flying through, and we've talked about flying before, I, I know that when I'm in a, a, a multi-thousand pound aircraft, being propelled at 500 miles at 30,000 feet. Listen, I'm secure in Christ Jesus. Why? Because there's a certainty in, in what I do. I know that God has an expected end for me. I know what He showed me. And, and so I know that I can go into an area and preach the gospel. Some people would be fearful because I already know some of the things that God showed me down the road that, that I'm going to do. And I know that God's not a man that He should lie or the son of a man that He should repent. And what about battle against this fear? Has anybody here uh, wrestled with fear? And folks, really fear kind of puts you at odds with faith. That you're thinking, you know what? And I know people, I know sincere people that love Jesus. That have such a battle with fear. Their fear of this, their fear of the weather, their fear of of animals, their fear of heights. Their fear of, uh, of not having enough money, whatever else. Folks, listen, we know that God has not given us, what? A spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. The, the, the power, the strength, the, the ability to fight through the fear. What about battling against unforgiveness? Is there someone that's wronged you or spoken against you that you just cannot forgive and that you're always holding that record? Folks, you can't do that. You've got to fight against unforgiveness. You've got, to, you've got to do the exact opposite. You've got to love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who despitefully use you, and, and, and fight past that unforgiveness or just laziness in, in in regards to the Word of God. Have you been laziness in your faith? Have you been laziness in seeking God? Have you been laziness in your prayer life? Have you been lazy in, in, in studying the Word of God? Have you been lazy in just doing the things that God has? You've got to fight against those things. Or or, or or Really, I can sum it all up and just say, what about just being lazy in unrighteousness or being... Being, uh, not battling against unrighteousness in your life. Allowing those things to come in and just creep in and, and, and just those things that seem so subtle that bring uh, destruction. And, and really, ultimately, I think one of the biggest battles that people have is their battle against impatience. Are you impatient in the things of God? I tell you what, folks. I used to be the most impatient individual. I used to be a microwave minister. Pop it in three minutes. If I don't have it, my plate hot and ready, I don't want But one thing I've learned over the years is patience. I have learned, listen, I'm going to endure. I'm going to wait and I'm going to occupy. Now, when I say... Patience. I don't mean to sit in somewhere and not do anything. I, I'm I'm actively doing the things that God's told me to do, but I'm also actively believing that even though I don't see Him, that there's a greater reality than what I see, and it's what God has said. That God has, has told me that if I'm I'm, I'm walking in in my uh, in in faith towards Him, if I'm, I'm I'm pressing into Him, that my steps are ordered up by God. The way that I'm going is going to be, and there's going to be an expected end for me in my life. But I've got to be patient in my endurance towards Him and trusting Him and everything, knowing that this moment is a moment He's given me, and I want to redeem the time, and I want to take full advantage of the moment He's given me. Impatient, uh, in in patience, not impatience, but being patient in Him, and allowing God to work those things out in me. Because I know that I don't want to deliver something uh, that God has for me prematurely. And So I know the things that God's called me to do, and told me to do, that He's given me afar off. But you know what? I'm not fretting in those things. I'm going to occupy this hour that God has for me, and make the most of it. And I really encourage you to do that. Some of you, God has told you some awesome things. He's given you dreams and visions and spoken things to you and you're growing impatient. Folks, don't do that. Because what you're going to do is you're going to circumvent the the will of God and you're going to say, God, okay, here's my will, here's my plan Now you need to do it on your time. Now your, Your will and your plan may be based upon something God has spoken to you, but your impatient is going to circumvent that and take you off course. Don't fall into that trap. God has, has ordered our steps. He's bringing us that. Don't find yourself in this place of the, the Romans 9.19 is saying, you know what? I'm going to find fault with God. God, you just failed me. God, you didn't do that. These things just cannot have victory over your life. Now think about this. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. And, and it all ties right back into this trying to find fault with God. The only time you'll find fault with God is when you don't find fault with yourself. Me, if I want to find a problem with what's going on in my life or my marriage or anything else, all I've got to do is walk to the medicine cabinet and look in the mirror and I see the problem with it. I didn't trust God. I didn't keep my focus right. It's never a God problem. God is perfect in all of His ways. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from God, the Father of lights, who there's no shadow of turning in. There's no wavering. There's no variableness in Him. It's always going to be perfect. But First Corinthians nine twenty-four through 27 says this. It says, Do you not know that they which run the race, run in a race, run all, but only one receives the prize? So you 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 need to run that you may obtain the prize. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we do it to obtain something that's incorruptible. I therefore so run not as uncertainty... Uh, so fight I not as one that beats the air, but I keep my body under subjection uh, and, and bring it under subjection, lest at any means when I preach to others, I myself should become a castaway. And so he's telling us, he's listen when, when you run it or you're striving, you're going to do it with mastery. And that word mastery, you need to write it down. It, it means the ability to fight. And so if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it with the ability to fight. And so, if if you're gonna do it, folks, if you're gonna walk the Christian walk, listen, it's this whole concept of, you know, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. And, and, And I finally found a title for the book that I'm writing, you know, and I'm gonna call it God's Got a Wonderful Plan for Your Death. You know, good thing I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to give it away because nobody would buy a book with that title. But maybe they'll be curious if I give them a copy of it. God's got a wonderful plan for your death. And folks, listen, it takes mastery over the flesh to crucify the flesh, to kill the flesh on a daily basis, to, to learn to fight against the indifference, to learn to fight against the impatience, to learn to fight against the discontentment, to learn to fight against the, the depression, to do those things. But as, I, as when I wrote this down, I was reminded of just that, issue of mastery. And I want you to turn back to the book of Daniel. Let's go, let's go back to the Old Testament. I'm going to show you this, this concept of mastery. And when you don't obtain mastery, uh, what the consequences can be. But it's out of Daniel chapter 6, verses 16 through 24. Uh, Daniel 6, 16 through 24. Let me give you the setup of this. If you'll remember, the, the, there has been this edict uh, put down that says, for the next 30 days, that you can't worship anybody but our god you can't worship anybody but our emperor you can't give any type of things you can't do so daniel obviously he's a, he's a man after god's heart he's not going he's not going to do that and so i want to i want to so daniel obviously was caught worshipping his god and giving praise unto him on a daily ba- basis and it says in verse 16 it says then the king command king commanded and they brought daniel and cast him into a den of lions now the king spoke and said unto daniel Thy god whom you serve continually he'll deliver you and a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with a signet of his lord's. And the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. And the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went into haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice, saying unto Daniel. And the king spoke and said to Dan, Daniel, Daniel, O servant of the living God, is thy God whom you serve continually able to deliver you from the lions?' And Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me forasmuch as before him innocently was, uh, innocency was found within me and also before the king I have done no hurt. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take up Daniel out of the lion's den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in God. Now look at, look at what it says in verse 24. But then the king commanded that those that brought brought those men, which is accused Daniel, and they cast them into the lion's den, their children and their wives. Look at that. And the lion had mastery of all of them. The, the lion was able to fight against them and broke all their bones and pieces, or, uh, or, or every one of them came at the bottom of the den. Folks, Listen. If, if we don't have mastery over the adversary, the, mas- the adversary is going to have mastery over us. And immediately think of 1 Peter 5.8 when it says, Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking him he may devour. Folks, listen. Your circumstance or your life is going to put you into a lion's den. Folks, every single one of us, I don't care what you, where you live, what you're going through, how sweet your situation seems, you are in a lion's den. And there is a lion uh, called the devil who goes about seeking whom he may devour. He desires to consume you. But the question is, is who are you going to bow to? Are you going to stand in accusation? And look what it says. It said, it, the king commanded that those that accuse Daniel, and so are, are, are you going to accuse God? Those that accuse the, the things of God will find themselves... Uh, uh, being submitted to the mastery of the roaring lion. Folks, listen, I want to submit myself and I want to fight the good fight of faith. That way I'm not standing in accusations against God. If you do not submit joyfully to the will and the plan of God, then you will find yourself lacking in the mastery that's necessary to overcome, really, the destructive jaws of Satan. And so verse 20 of Romans 9 says this. He says, No, but, oh man, you are. Uh, who are you that replies against God? Shall the things say to him that formed it, Why have you made me thus? Folks, listen, from day one in so many people's lives, man has always just asked that question. From from the beginning of time, it says, Why have you made me this way? This is your fault. If you didn't want me this way, then you should not have made me this way. I don't know how many times I've dealt with people that are uh, bound by sin or, or some type of type of immorality in their life, and they say, Well, listen, if God didn't want me this way, God would not have made me this way. Folks, listen, that is the trap that has ensnared, ensnared many people from the very beginning, and many people are going to perish in an eternal hell as a result of having that type of mentality. If God made me this way, so it says, You, you, you formed me? Uh, why have you made me this way? If you made me this way, you certainly can't judge me. Folks, I want to tell you how God made you. And it's, you'll find it in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It says, God said, Let us, let Elohim, Make a man in our own image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon him. And it says God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him male and female, and he knew them. And folks, listen. God created man, and, and as long as man obeyed him, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in perfection. Do you hear me? And as long as they adhered to his will, what happened? They reaped the benefits of perfection. As long as they said, you know what? We've been created and God has told us and given us instruction. There's no sin in us. There's no sickness in us. There's nothing in us. The only thing in us is this free will that God has given us. Either we can continue to walk in the reflective image of Him or we can cease to walk in that and we can begin to walk in our own self-will. They were given that. But see folks, perfection demands choice. And so within that, their perfection provided them a choice. As long as they did that, they had that. But the second that they walked outside the parameters of how they were designed, imperfection entered in and they began to reap the consequences of their own actions. Folks, listen. They were perfect as God created them. Then something happened. I'll give you an example on that. As long as they would have continued along that path, Listen, Adam and Eve would have never died. Sin would have never entered in, and you would have seen the fulfillment of, of the, the, the perfect will of God from the very beginning. But once they altered that plan, once they stepped out of that directive, what happened? I'll give you an example. A couple, I guess it was probably 2005, 2006. I bought my son a car. My son was 18 years old, and I, and I put some money back, and I bought him a car. And I found this car on eBay. And it was an uh, older car. It was a 91 Nissan 240SX. Four-cylinder. It wasn't a hot rod. Nice-looking little sports car. But as far as being souped up, it wasn't. It was owned by a couple right here in Florida uh, who had bought it new. And it was, what, 15, 16 years old at the time. But it only had 90,000 miles. It had half as many miles as my 98-model van that I still drive to this day. And so my wife and I flew to Tampa, Florida, and we drove it all the way back. It drove great, great little car. But once he got it, I told him, I said, Son, listen, this is a car that will last you another 100,000 miles at least. You can drive it, and it'll get you to work, and and all these things, it'll be perfect. These folks have driven it. They've kept it. Here's the service uh, register on it. They've done great. If you'll just keep it and maintain it, it'll be great. And so... My son, as many 18-year-olds were, he decided he needed to alter this plan. And so the first thing he does, he's got him a job, and he saves himself up about $1,500. And he goes, buys him a set of nice wheels to go on it and these low-profile tires. Now, those things didn't alter that car very much. They may have altered the appearance a little bit and made it look a little bit more, but they really didn't change the performance of it very much. But that wasn't enough. And so he goes out and he buys himself a high-performance exhaust system and puts on it. Now, this thing's a little bit louder now and and it creates a little bit more horsepower. Now he goes and buys himself some high-performance other things that go under the hood. And so that car, which was never designed as a hot rod, this car which just had a four-cylinder in it, now it's suddenly being accelerated. And now that car is sitting somewhere... Uh, basically ready for the junkyard because the motor's blown, the transmission's gone, all these things. Why? Because he altered the car to meet his needs or to meet his, his desires rather than to meet his needs. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so he changed or altered this vehicle to, to do something that it was never designed to do. Folks, is that exactly what we do? We say, God, listen, I want to, I want to soup up my life. I want to bring something in that never was. I'm going to put this high performance such and such. Rather than saying, God, listen, you've blessed me with this spiritual four-cylinder engine. Now, I'm not going to say I'm going to make this thing and try to create it into some 12-cylinder I'm not going to do that, God. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive this vehicle that you've given me. And I'm talking spiritually now. I'm not talking about my son's vehicle. God, I'm going to be obedient to everything that you've entrusted me in right now. I'm not going to alter it through my own means or my own mechanism or my own self-will or my own plan. But God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do right now. That way I don't find this vehicle, this life broke down on the side of the road thinking, man, if I'd have just done what God told me to do, done and I would have been patient, I would get where he wants me to be. And so that's really what uh, 920 is saying. Are you going to say, God, you created me? It says, God created you to get you where he wants you to be. God has created you to serve a plan and a purpose, but it's us." Us that think that we're going to add some type of aftermarket equipment to our spiritual life. Folks, listen, God hasn't given us anything aftermarket. He's given us this word right here. And He said, if you'll just adhere by these principles, here's the here's your your, your blue book on, on performance. Here's what I want to give you in, in order to teach you how to walk out this life of faith. And folks, really, I encourage you to, to do that and to walk in that. And think about this. Uh, Psalms 51, five. We talk about God created us in His image, but once we rebel against that, here's what happens. Psalms fifty one five, David said, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Folks, God created man in perfection. But once man fell, what happened? Every man was now shapen in iniquity, and in sin were conceived through our mother's womb. And so God creates or shapes out of righteousness, Man creates and shapes out of sin and iniquity. And so if I'm going to walk in righteousness, I've got to bring myself back to that original plan and that blueprint that God has for me. And I can't say, well, you made me this way you failed. God didn't create that that lust in you. God didn't create that rebellion in you. God did not create that indifference in you, that lack of faithfulness and that depression. God did not bring those things to you. But God wants to recreate in you that, that original plan. And that's why the Word tells us that if we're in Christ Jesus, that old things have passed away, all things have become brand new in us, trading us up in that. But think about this. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, What then? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit with your God. Folks, listen, i got news for you. If you say you belong to Jesus, you're bought with a price. Your choices have been made for you. you. You don't have any choices. I tell people that all the time. Listen, my choices are made for me. Uh, that I don't, I don't, I don't sit around thinking. Oh, I think well, what do I want to do? Listen, I bought with a price. I, I no longer are in possession or hold title deed and ownership of my life. Now I had the choice to do that, and I can take it back if I want to. But you know what? I have no desire to do that because I've lived that life of, of self will and rebellion and my own plan for my own self, and it only led to destruction. Folks, if you call yourself a believer, you're bought with a price. Your life is not your own. And so, when God says go do it, you go do it. When God says go say it, you go say it. When God says go seek it, you go seek it. And so, what do you do? You do the things that that He tells us to do in His Word. You don't say, well, listen, I'm just that's just a little part of my life. Listen, folks, listen. Christianity is not what I do. It's who I am in Christ Jesus. The ministry is not what I do. It's who I am. Everything that is, that is going to flow out of my life is going to flow out of the person that has ownership of my life. I don't want to have some aftermarket Jesus or I don't want to have to add some type of other equipment to my life that's just going to cause me to break down under the pressure. Folks, listen, we are totally out of time. I thought I was going to get a little bit further in this today, but I, I, want, I really want to just drive that point home about who you belong to. And uh, which, which side of judgment are you going to stay out from under? And, and not lear, learning not to shake your fist at heaven and to grow patient in the things of God. And say, God, listen, you've got that plan, but I've got to fight... Through all those elements that would want to bring destruction into my life. Folks, we're totally at a time today. We will be back tomorrow for another installment of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies from 9 to 10 a.m. We're going to finish out this week. Don't forget. Then we'll be out for two weeks because we're going to be doing our major outreach in the city of New Orleans. But we're going to be having broadcasts from there. It just won't be in this format. So folks I've got a bit of advice as we close out today. Get into God's Word and God's Word will get into you.